everybody, and welcome to the Prime Subjective, a Star Trek podcast. Yesterday was Halloween, so we're feeling just a little creepy. Are your friends disappearing? Are people you love not in your life anymore? Well, guess what? We have an episode of Star Trek that's just for you. It's called Remember Me, Star Trek's Next Generation, Season 4, Episode 11. Oh man, that voice is exhausting. I can't do it. So, <laughs> welcome to the Prime Subjective. I'm Chris Newcomer. That's going on my voiceover reel. Uh, yeah. With us, yeah. we have uh, Carrie Coleman Hinners. <clears throat> Imagine a world where all of your ca- candy is melted oh, and then re uh, hardened again. Oh, ooh. Ooh, re hardened candy. The horror. And we've got with us also Jane Nim. Ooh, imagine a world where news invents stories of children being offered drugs because it pushes a narrative while completely ignoring the real problem of children being run over by cars because there's no real profit to be made from curbing the use of automobiles. <laughs> That's actually terrifying because it's real. Uh, and <laughs> hello, Michael Henley, you're with us too. Ooh, imagine a world where ketchup is in the yellow container and mustard is in the red one. Oh, oh no, someone at a baseball game will be mildly inconvenienced. <laughs> that is the true horror of horror. I put them on in the wrong order. <laughs> well, that's truly terrifying. Um... Well, now that we've gotten those horrors out of the way, since uh, it was just Halloween, um, uh, yes, this is uh, the Prime Subjective, a Star Trek podcast. Today we are discussing Lower Decks episode, uh, season three, episode eight, um, Paradoxus, Crisis Point Two. uh, And then we're also discussing, uh, as I mentioned, Star Trek The Next Generation, season four, episode, I believe it's 11 or maybe eight. I don't remember the number, but it's Remember Me and it's got Beverly Crusher in a star turn, which is all that I care about. Because I tuned in. <laughs> um, but before we get to the Star Trek, we got to get to the the human hearts that are here beating on this Zoom call. So, Michael Henley, how you doing? I'm doing great. I was um, uh, just recovering from a little bit of a cold, but, uh, you know, uh, things are happening. Things are fun. I went to a wedding last weekend, which was super great. Um, kind of getting out and about and, you know, enjoying people and seeing people. Um, uh, yesterday was Halloween, and I went over to my brother and sister-in-law's house where we kind of gave out candy in the pouring rain. It was fun. It was great. We had a really, really good time. Um, yeah, no, things are good. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Well, that Yay. sounds so sweet. We'd love to hear that you're happy. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Carrie Coleman-Henners, how are you doing? Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned how many human hearts are on the Zoom call because right. it looks like four, but there's actually five. Oh, I thought you were going to say six and surprise us that you're having twins. <laughs> what are the odds? What are the odds? Um, No, just the one really big one. Just one really big, <laughs> really <one>. big baby. <laughs> Wait, what's? I know they compare babies to the size of fruit at certain, oh you know, God. gestational stages. Do you know what fruit you have in you? Yeah, but like if you look it up, he is like past that. Like if it says like watermelon or something, he's like, I don't know, what's bigger than a like two watermelons? I don't even know. <laughs> he's a couple of coconuts in there. <laughs> it's a couple of coconuts. <laughs> you can't go by that, like. 
Yeah. They're like, so one time, uh, uh, one website I said, your baby is the, the length of a car window screen. I'm like, what does that mean? It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like a window yeah, screen. Yeah, it's like, it is, a, is it a smart car? Is it a <laughs> station wagon from the 80s? There's a lot of different window screens yeah. we could be going with here. And, yeah, it's, sometimes they're like, your car, your baby is the size of a, a Game Boy. <laughs> oh, he's like the size of a a PS5 maybe I don't know uh I don't know anyway he's well, a big baby I, I make sense to me though that he's you know he's he's a he's a big baby because both you and Scott are tall people so he's probably going to be a yeah we're tall <laughs> and I'm tall and I'm I'm like a I'm five I think I'm technically five eight and a half without mm -hmm. shoes on but um but there's a more tall taller people than I in my family I'm not sure. the tallest so um yeah and the men the men get really tall in our our family so okay. gonna have a big baby so basically that's that. all I've been doing is just incubating Making a babies. big baby <laughs> <laughs> going to a lot of doctor's appointments and just yeah waiting around mm -hmm. well and and you're coming up with the due date it's not like super far away at this point no right? it's not super far away it's like technically the end of november but i Ooh. will believe it i'll believe it when i see it oh man well i can't wait until the easter bunny comes and leaves a baby in the cabbage patch behind your house as is my Little, understanding of childbirth and, yes and we're going to name him jean-luc <laughs> jean-luc <laughs> jean <-Luc> hinners <laughs> i like that very much yeah. And hey, Jay Nim, how are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm, uh, well, I went to pick up a hoagie today and I asked for a cookie with it. And the worker was like, it's two weeks old. And I was no. like, yeah, then I'll pass. And he went, well, you can have it for free since it's two weeks old. And I was like, yeah, I'll take it. And then the owner, the owner was also there and he was like, yeah, what's the worst that could happen? So, oh, and I have eaten half of it. Okay. The, the, but the hoagie is re a regular time. The hoagie is a regular hoagie. No, I'm I not going to eat yeah. the meat that's two weeks old. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's the cookie that's two weeks old. It's the cookie. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And it was All like, right. it's like wrapped in plastic, you know? It's sure. Like, it's yeah. a sealed package. So just so, keep for, for a, a while. a couple days where we're all eating just whatever wrapped candy sweet thing comes in front of us. I mean, it's, I think it, yeah. a twinkle yeah, exactly. cookie is probably totally fine as well. Yeah, okay. yeah here it is. Oh, wow. It's okay. covered in cobwebs. Yeah, cobwebs. Actually, it looks really good. I wouldn't yeah, believe that. It's got M&Ms. Yeah. Are those M&Ms and stuff? Yeah, it's got M&Ms. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Skittles. <laughs> Skittle cookie. No, a Skittle cookie. Skittle cookie. <laughs> That's, really cross, That's a good idea. Mm. Cross-pollinating the sweetness. I like that. <clears throat> or a scookie, if you will. How are you doing, Chris? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. Um, I, uh, I had a great weekend. Jam-packed. Lots of fun Halloween things with friends. On Friday night, I did, in fact, um, go out dressed as Dr. Beverly Crusher. I did the full look. Aww. I look, feel pretty good about it. Um, and my brother, my, my, not my brother, Jesus, my boyfriend <laughs> was dressed up as Wesley Crusher. Hello. So we were going out there and I was, it was really funny to me at first. And then he kept being like, I love you, mommy. And I was like, I don't love this. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I have misstepped. And then he also was like, <laughs> 
I made me realize that I was like, oh, with him, I was like, okay, so it's not just daddy issues. There are some mommy issues too, which is totally fine. Uh, with every, we've all got them. But uh, we had a lot of fun that night. And then uh, we went to this piano bar I, I frequent a lot. And I was doing songs with, with suggestions uh, provided by Carrie. I did, I did sing some songs as Dr. Beverly Crusher that she yes. would sing. So yes. I did sing As Long As He Needs Me to a Candle, nice. um, which felt really good. Um, yeah. And then I did um, Pass the Point of No Return from uh, Phantom of the Opera. Um, with my friend who plays the piano mm -hmm. who looks like Riker and I posted it and Gates McFadden reposted it and said, oh, I have to admit this is that's fabulous. Amazing. And I was like, well, that's yeah. all the validation I'll ever need. Aww. I can die now. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. That was quite, so quite, uh, quite enjoyable. Um, so yeah, so I guess next year it's, um, I'll be Deanna Troy and I'll just do a lot of monologues about chocolate or whatever <laughs> and uh, try and really sell it that way. Um, but it was a very satisfying Star Trek Halloween. Um, yeah, for me. Okay. I don't. I. I. Trek in the news. I would say that we Star Trek Prodigy is back. Uh, it just came back this past week. I don't know if anybody yes, watched that. I have not did had not. a chance to. Yeah. There's oh, so much not. Star Trek on, guys. Yeah, I'm they... trying to compartmentalize my Star Trek, so mm -hmm. one thing at a time. I think it's. I think it's smart to compartmentalize. <laughs> I do know that in this new season, um, we don't get just hologram Janeway. We get like. I mean, I guess it's all animated Janeway, but you get the hologram Janeway. You get real Janeway. <laughs> <laughs> Voiced all by Kate Mulgrew somehow. Mean, She's got two yeah. pages. I you bet. mean Kate Mulgrew great. doesn't look like that now? Uh, she doesn't. She, uh, you know, she looks wonderful. Um, she does. <laughs> she also, I saw a great um, a video of her talking about when Angela Lansbury passed away, talking about how before she booked Voyager, Angela Lansbury was like, oh, you, I know you're a single mom. Come just be the murderer on my show a couple times. And so she was the murderer, murderer like three different times on Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> and then I guess the third time she was like, come, come, come in my dressing room. Come talk to me. Kate Mulgrew, and she was like, listen, you have the kind of talent, you know, you just have to take your time, but when you hit it, you're really going to hit it. And that was when she was like, she said she was like 32. And then at 39, when she's doing Voyager, apparently she was at some luncheon, and Angela Lansbury is across the room and just goes, you hit it. Aww. How is that? I mean, that's, that's just so like cool. the loveliest. Mm. Um, so it makes me love Kate Mulgrew and Angela Lansbury. I just, all, all about, everything yeah. about that is wonderful and lovely. That's a beautiful trick in the news. That's one of my favorites. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I'll yeah, send you guys the video so you can see the actual clip of it because it's really quite sweet. <clears throat> um, so should we should we jump into these two episodes since we're doing two today? We should probably yeah. Let's sure. dive in. Let's yeah, dive let's, in. Let's do it. Um, so I'm gonna start with the first one. We're... Sorry, I had to mute there for a second. There's a. <laughs> my uh my roommate i did tell her i was recording but she's like hey that's a great time to come down and forge for candy in the halloween bucket mm. right behind never a bad good. time <laughs> never a bad time but but chris really why did you keep the halloween bucket of candy near you unless you wanted attention oh well you you've got my number jay you know i always want attention mm -hmm. uh, my love language is applause as we've talked about many times <laughs> Uh, so, but uh, before we clap for me, let's talk about this episode of Star Trek Lower Decks, Crisis Point 2, Paradoxus. <clears throat> Boimler programs a sequel to Mariner's holodeck movie called Crisis Point 2, Paradoxus, where Romulans have stolen a top-secret gem capable of time travel, intending to use it to erase the Federation. However, Boimler receives some bad news and loses his enthusiasm, leaving Tendi to lead the story's exciting mission. Instead, he becomes fixated on a side quest that promises the secret to life. Annoyed, Mariner ditches him, but learns from Commander Ransom that Boimler's transporter twin, William, died in a gas leak in his sleep. 
She returns to the program and helps Boimler in his quest, recognizing that the program helped her and can do the same for him. Boimler eventually finds the program's mythical being who can reveal the secret of life, asking it why William senselessly died and what it means for himself. The being can only parrot back inspirational quotes. Uh, Boimler goes on a frustrated rampage until he wakes up on an idyllic farm with Hikado Sulu, who tells him to embrace randomness, both good and bad, as it represents the unexpected joy of life. Satisfied, Boimler wakes up in sickbay, uh, realizing that the farm was the dream while he passed out from near-fatal dehydration in the holodeck. <laughs> Meanwhile, Tendi's success as the lead officer in the holodeck helps her realize that she aspires to become a captain. Um, William is revived, his death a ruse to draft him into, you guessed it, section 31. <laughs> I very much enjoyed this episode. They really continue yeah. to just knock it out of the darn park. The ding-darn um, park. The ding-darn park. How do y'all mm -hmm. feel about it? Yeah, I thought this was great fun and so many references, honestly. Again, like, as, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like they, they kind of, I don't know if they topped themselves because the um, the first crisis point from the first season, I think is probably one of my favorite episodes of the show just because of the number of in-jokes they pack in. And yet throughout all of that, they still find the time to actually tell a story with it. It's not just endless references. And they do the same thing here. Um, with uh, a Boimler-centric story this time, but still mm -hmm. tons of references right down to like little mm -hmm. visual cues where you're like, that character's dressed like Carol Marcus from Wrath of Khan. Or like, this is like a little <laughs> bit of a musical stinger from the motion yeah. picture or, you know, the um, the plot at the end that is very much the motion picture mixed with Star Trek V, the Wrath, uh, Star Trek V, the, um, the Final Frontier, you know, about going to the God planet and stuff like that. And like how they kind of lampoon the... Um, the fact that like the star trek has always had this weird thing where like on tv the plots can tend to be kind of small and even when they're big they're not that big and in the movies it's all like these galaxy spanning like galaxy ending like yes. we're going on a crazy adventure kind of thing yeah. and i like the fact they kind of really skewer they, they have a lot of fun kind of skewering that you know and the fact that boimler is on this incredible escapade to you know find the secret of life and stuff like that um it's just really really fun stuff yeah i, I love the way they sort of mash together all of the Star Trek movies somehow. They yeah, figured out a way yeah. to do that. Um, and like one, like doing one thing is a reference to like two or three different things. Um, uh, and I love the idea of them going off like this random, like computer generated, not, you know, like non-player character in the, <laughs> in the holodeck and trying to find something that's not real. Um, well, it felt very Westworld really to me. Cool. It's like they're they're yeah. going off the off the off the storylines to find the the unwritten yeah. storyline that has to yeah. be pulled out of the and, ether, and you know, and 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 especially the guy who's like, um, I have to find this beat, you know, within this program thing. This means something. It's really really important. I don't know what I would do if it turns out to be nonsense, you know, <laughs> which is very I, Westworld. Yeah. yeah. I, and, and I like to think about the holodeck is so fun to think about because they're all in that same room together, you know, so like it's they're happening simultaneously in that same room on like opposite sides of the galaxy, but they're just in one big room. <laughs> Yeah. it's just moving around them i feel the same way about that that i feel about whenever i watch them up it's thinking about how that's just a famous actor surrounded by a bunch of hands that are like this yes, <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. yeah true yeah. acting the challenge Muff the muppets mm -hmm. have a yeah 
that's just a skill that the Muppets. Oh yeah, yeah. Like you could totally forget that there was people in furry mm-hmm. costumes. Oh, I firmly believe mm-hmm. that Miss Piggy is a real being on this yes. planet yeah. that will live forever. So I same there with you. Yeah. Whenever Frank I mean, has his name, well, I mean until yeah. there's a until there's a bacon shortage. Oh. No, oh, no I so sorry I can... to go back to the lower decks episode. <laughs> <laughs> I I did like it. Um you brought up the 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 first crisis point, um, mm-hmm. Mike. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was in this like it was still a good episode, but it did not measure. You like the first one better? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. the first one hit on like an actual character, yes. like um an actual like meaty subplot that's still being explored in the current season right yeah something that kind of yeah something kind of fed out of what had come before and really fed into what's still going on yeah it's true whereas like the boimler has a clone who is much more successful than he is subplot is sort of a gag more so than any real like real attempt to have like a character reckon with an issue it didn't feel like Fair a gag point. to me until the section 31 thing. And then I was like, okay, this has less gravitas to it. But I, I really felt, I, I was feeling, you know, the weight of that for the episode. But yeah, I, mm. I do hear what you're saying, that it's not as quite as tied into the rest of the, the story of the season. Yeah, I could see that. I could also feel like in the char- character development-wise, it's still real to Boimler because he doesn't know that. So, I mean, it doesn't like lessen his journey maybe for us the audience am i following what you guys are saying properly i guess <laughs> or I'm am i just that, off on a tangent <clears throat> oh i guess i'm saying that his journey like the, whatever journey boimler is on comparing himself <laughs> to his clone is not really anywhere near as meaty or as developed as mariner and her mother okay and I think at that episode, like that episode is where we learn that Mariner is um, Captain Freeman's daughter. Right. I'm pretty sure that's that. So it's like tied <laughs> along with that big reveal. Um, mm-hmm. It's the, the it's a holodeck, holodeck Freeman tells Boimler that Mariner is her daughter. It's at yeah. least the episode yeah. where Boimler finds out. I I, I don't remember yeah. if it's the episode where we find out, but oh, yeah, my you're bad. right. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. yeah, I think the audience knows, but not the rest of the character i also think too that mariner is the main character it's like it's like picard is always going to get all the best storylines and then the the ones that are you know for other folks not going to be quite as meaty because there's just not enough time you know it's it's very it's the show is a good job of not having just like one main character that everything circles around it's very much like the lower decks is the star like they are all equally i feel important they all have equal weight as the quote-unquote stars um main characters of the show so i do think that mariner is like one step above the other i mean you know i think Mm -hmm. she just gets a little bit more than everybody else uh only because she's got the most central relationship with the um the powers the people in the other power structure you know But yeah, okay. no, I, I definitely get that. I did really enjoy um, the NPC characters that they, we spent a lot of time with, the guys in those monk robes. Who are, <laughs> oh, Nick Knack. really weird and fun. <laughs> Nick Knack shows up and is like, actually, <laughs> <Yeah>. a, <laughs> has a little like, superpowers. I, I really, that was, I, yeah. oh, sorry, yeah. It's okay. That was one part of the episode I really did like, is that whenever you see AI depicted in, in TV shows and movies, it's like, whoa, what is this? It's doing things we can't understand. Whereas here we have 
an AI, the holodeck, trying to make a story and it's completely like predictable and canned, which yeah. kind of aligns with with yeah. real life. <laughs> mm-hmm, when, mm-hmm. Whenever I don't know if you've played any video game that yeah. has procedurally generated quests, but it just kind of ends up being the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. a, a guy will say, like, oh, my partner or some relation was ambushed mm-hmm. by fill in monster at location. Mm-hmm. Can you please find them? And it just this- kind of that times a hundred. 100%. This also reminds me of the, the Next Gen episode where Data and Jordy are playing Sherlock Holmes on the holodeck. And I think yeah. Dr. Pulaski comes in to kind of challenge Data. And so they're like, all right, we'll have the computer make up a story. And then Pulaski is basically just like, these are just two Sherlock Holmes stories pasted together. This is lame, um, which is pretty much exactly what you'd expect a computer to do. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm not going to be that creative about it, you know? Well, and that's the episode where they accidentally give Moriarty sentience yes. because they say create yeah. a... a- mm-hmm a uh, villain capable of... <laughs> I, I am really hoping that Moriarty at some point, I think I said this before, but I think the yeah. longer that Lower Decks goes on, I think they'll eventually get to Moriarty. Well, <laughs> what I love about I that too it. is if they do bring that actor back, then they'll also be able to do the thing they can't do on, on like regular, you know, live action Star Trek, which is to tie in the fact that he also played a an integral role on the wonderful 90s sitcom, The Nanny. I want, I want to mm-hmm. mention all of them. Mm-hmm. I want, I want <laughs> just a nostalgia soup of references uh, oh. to all the things that actor has given us. Uh, I've, yeah. Did you did you know that that actor, Daniel Davis, by the way, uh, is not British? What? Not? Yeah, yeah. No, he's from Alabama. <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, he's definitely Swear to God. Him, right? Uh, this part I don't know. Mm. I want to uh, claim him for us, but maybe he's just a straight guy from Alabama who can fool everybody. I yeah. love that because you hear too many actor stories about people coming from Britain who are basically just like, yeah, I picked up an American accent or Kate Winslet yeah. basically going like, I picked up the Delco accent. It was very, very difficult. Um, and then you see so many stories about Americans going to Britain and they're like, no, no, what's up with it? My British accent is good. <laughs> so uh, I, I love- there, um, I think there are, there are successful cases on both ends because I think when, you, when British actors are doing that thing, they're like, yes, I am here in America and I love yes. to be in your plays it's and musicals. True. It's like- it's yeah, it hit the R's really hard. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but I'm sure we go over there and we're like, yeah, like as as Michael was saying, cup of tea. Like, like, not very that. That's know? what we sound like to them. Yeah, that's what we. I just did a quick search to make sure that Diana Muldor, who played Catherine Pulaski and a couple other, is still alive. She's 84. She's still alive. Right. She's still alive. Good for her. Yeah, she. she yeah, huh? but she was on Murder She Wrote too. <laughs> but is she British? Maybe. Um, <laughs> No. And we've talked about that thread too, that Murder She Wrote is a hollow novel. Have we talked about that? No. So apparently I read this thing online because basically all of the actors from like Voyage, a lot for, a lot from Star Trek, most of them from Voyager, have all guested on Murder She Wrote at one time or another. And then there's this fan theory that actually Murder She Wrote is a hollow novel that everyone has played. Um, and that's why we keep seeing all these scenes where like Janeway is the murderer and like and and Robert Beltran is like the uh, Chicote is the is the hot farm hand and like it's all it's really very funny to read um, and I'll I'll send it to you guys so you can check it out. This has got to be the sister theory to the one that says that Cheers was a hollow novel um, because there's so many oh, yeah. so many Star Trek actors have appeared on Cheers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love all that. Listen, if Murder She Wrote was available, I would be in that novel all the damn time. <laughs> Oh, this is relevant because this is what I wrote. Sometimes I try to write down the, my favorite lines in the show if I can remember them. But um, one of, when they're walking through that town in their hollow in their movie, they're like, 
somebody on the sidelines that says, we're all holograms in a simulation. <laughs> and just really funny. Because they are. They are. They are. Yeah. <laughs> and we are too. And also we are. As I well, think we, we came back to that, that where Jay had mentioned that we're all, yeah. uh, we, we talked about that theory at some point, one of our first yeah. um, podcasts, and it really bummed me out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We got to keep but, coming uh, back just to roll it. With it. You just roll with it. Just go with it. Let's roll with it. Um, I did. I did. You do love an appearance from George Takei. Uh, as you mm-hmm. come oh, in. Yeah. yeah, of it's course. Always a real yes. pleasure to have him mm-hmm. uh, reprise his role. And, and also... I, what I felt like was like there, he thought it was, I was like, I thought it was me, William Shatner. But I think it's very clear that we're not going to see that actor again doing that because he's, I think he's just been, you know, uh, maybe seen enough and I maybe canceled once or twice. I don't know mm. why. Oh, really? You know, mm. and I, you know, William Shatner is still doing stuff, but I, I, and he's going to conventions and he loves Star Trek and he'll be at these things. But I think he just doesn't want to do actually be work. kirk anymore like yeah, yeah, he just fair. is okay that the and generations when he died that was generations right am i getting that that right? was generations yeah, yeah. i think, I think he okay was like i'm done too. now i'm done that's it yeah, I'm done. i i was much pl- more pleased that it was hikata sulu and not yeah mm-hmm. i think the feeling's mutual kirk yeah i i tend to agree i mean i forget i, I think you're right chris he was canceled a couple times i don't remember for what um can we guess no. I wish I could remember, well, but, but... I, I brought it up before. But that he, he, his, 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 one of his wives who was like an Olympic swimmer drowned in their pool. Oh, oh, not good. Oh, not good. Not good. I don't know. I, I wasn't was a long time ago. Yeah, we're over that now. We're over we can't. Yeah, we're over, we're over yeah. it. Yeah. Well, you know, I, Carrie I does not stand with the wife. <laughs> no, this is um, <laughs> it's a difficult game to play with like older celebrities. I'm sorry to say this, but like it, there, the, the, there's a game to play where it's basically just like especially yeah. now that we have access to them all the time on you know Twitter and social media and everything. It's like, was this insensitive or was this just written by like an 80-year-old yeah. dude? You know, like it's that kind yeah. of thing where it's just like, I mean, you know, I like- I love William Shatner. And I think I said, I did hear him talk at a convention once and he is 90 or some 90 something years old. And it does just sound like a 90 something. He's like, yeah, right. he's, yeah. he's still there. Like his mind is still there, but he will just yeah. like rambling and talking and on and on yeah. and on yeah. because he's an old man. Yeah. That's it. Like, that's it, yeah. guys. He's just an old guy. He's but an old he's, man. He's, he's allowed a... to kill his wife. It's fine. And it stops. Chris, I told <laughs> you that like, happened a yeah. long time ago, and we're over it. Or, like, yeah. <laughs> or it's like, Chris, we're like, she's gone. Get over it. Okay. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, weird political opinions where it's basically just like, well, part of you wants to be like, man, you just don't get it. And I'm just like, you're old enough that like i almost even think you're all you're yeah. kind of allowed to not get it you know like it's fine like well, whatever and then you know even, even not even the very old are getting into it i was on twitter this week and um um uh, who's the vulcan from voyager what's his name his name is tim russ well tim yeah russ. So <gasps> tim russ posted something oh. about voting and then robert yeah. Beltran oh in. I and saw it this. Wasn't, it wasn't lovely. It was like no. it, it, Tim. Tim was like, "Vote so we don't end up with fascism." And then Robert Beltran was like, "Yeah." And then, so don't vote for the Democrats. And I was like, "Okay, cool, cool." I didn't need to know <laughs> that about Chakotay. Great. Yeah. I didn't need awesome. to know that. No. You know, Chakotay. Just, Twitter is a double-edged uh, sword. Oh, it's it's a hellscape all the time, edged, and this week yeah. particularly. Particularly. Elon Musk take over anyone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nah, there was this. Um, I'm not going to talk about the Elon Musk takeover. Don't worry. But I was, um, I was, I was at home this past weekend. 
my parents' house and I was driving around their car and they listened to this AM Indian radio station where like the host doesn't even know how to operate like her buttons. And so the when she's like, <laughs> when the song is like about to finish, instead of fading it out, it'll just hard cut and then she'll start talking about something unrelated. And so she's playing some like old Indian love song and she cuts it off before it finishes because she doesn't know how to fade it out. And then she goes, so Elon Musk took over Twitter today and I just shut off the radio. I don't want to hear what you have to say about this. You're like, and scene. That's I enough don't want to hear You know, God. we're talking about it, but one day it'll happen to us. It happens to all of oh, us. Elon Musk is going to come by. No, we'll be old people and we'll be saying things. Oh, it's true. Related opinion. 100%, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It's, yeah and it's not because it's not out of like meanness or anything it's no, just no, out no. of um well we, yeah, we're not we're not created to be adaptive creatures into yeah. our, our late just, stages yeah. there's yeah. just a disconnect and it's not everybody but you know it's you a even lot of old folks you even see this in Star Trek itself, because, you know, if you ever go back to the original series, how often do you see the right. the text about how well it was very progressive, you know, for the time? And then you see it's just like, well, I feel like today there would probably be a little bit less less leering at yeomans and a little bit less mm-hmm. like, you know, all that yeah, kind of and stuff. Even, and even even next gen. I mean, even the, yes. in the 90s, there's plenty of stuff to be like, oh, yeah. no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah. um, um. Oh, I was going to say something and it's gone right out of my head. What was it? I don't know. Um, yeah, I feel like maybe what I'll be canceled for when I'm uh, when I'm an old person on on whatever version of Twitter exists will be my my stalwart and steady musical theater opinions about Patty Lapone. Oh, um, but uh, <laughs> Patty Lapone, <laughs> yeah, is your opinion something other than that she's a national treasure? I I plead the fifth. <laughs> I I can Chris this I don't know if this is inappropriate for this podcast but I can imagine you as an old man going saying something like the gays aren't as gay as they used to be yeah I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 a little like David Sedaris in my older and then years, like yeah. all the gays people like ah what are you when I was like? young we well, were gay by singing as loud and as high as we could and kicking our faces <laughs> and kissing boys on the street and then be like, that's my favorite that, that, that's my favorite kind of older person quote like something like the gay aren't as gay as they used to be where it's just like wait a minute i think i need to be offended about this but i also i need to decode this first what, is, what, what does that mean it. Yeah. but also like the second half of that <laughs> statement is also like a fully <laughs> something i cannot say on a podcast we were in the basement of the bike stop see and then there was this thing called oh, the oh no and, uh, <laughs> And, and boy, you go and get fine. your shoes shined. No, um, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you're tuned into an old prospector somehow, like you I just have do. And, sitting and by I'm... some gold. Sarn it. And we saw each other's souls. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I, I mispronounced that word. I always put an S where an H should be. Have we done it? Have we have, yeah. we have we gone blue enough? I think we did it. Yeah. I like that um, joke because it's a thinker. It's a real yeah. it's a real thinker. <laughs> so Mike, what do you think you'd get canceled for? Uh you know, I mean, I live in constant fear of, you know, <laughs> saying the wrong thing. No, like, you know, I have you know, I have a little bit of anxiety and stuff like that. And, you know, I'll, you know, give presentations to people I've spoken to a million times, and just be like, oh, what if they laugh at me? So, like, oh. I don't know what it's going to be, but, like, when it happens, there's going to be no part of me that is like, this is unacceptable. I'll be like, nah, I knew it. I knew my run would end. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> Do your worst. I get it. Ready for it. Yeah. 
Okay. I'm definitely like, going to. No that's healthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to get in trouble for instigating something. <laughs> I believe like cornering I someone who deals with anxiety and being like, "Hey, what? What do you, what do you think you're gonna get?" Do you think I think gonna I think Jay's gonna cancel for what he said last week about some people just need to get hit. I think that might be the. Uh, oh come mm. on, that is not <laughs> an I mean, controversial opinion. I mean, yeah. I mean, I didn't say who. I just said he didn't say who. That's fair. I mean, that's fair. You know, um, in between Elon Musk stuff, one of the big things I saw on Twitter today was someone saying, "Just like, look, if you punch a Nazi, you're just as bad." I'm like, disagree, mm. disagree. Uh, so I'm. I'm gonna side with yeah. Jay on stuff like that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair, that's fair. Chris, yeah. stop trying to put limits on my speech. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think I know. I think I know. <laughs> I think I know what I'll get canceled for. Hopefully not af- right after this podcast. But I could imagine myself saying something like, "I don't give a shit about wars or people." I don't care. Remember when like Melania Trump was going on like the tours and she went like, "I don't care." Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's like yeah, yeah. Like, why are you asking me? I don't care. I don't know what's going on. Right. I think the difference is is you're not in like an incredible position of power, so I think it's okay. Yes, that yeah, yeah. I mean, you are to us. You are a very powerful person that we view as powerful. But I do care. I do care. I think I'm just imagining a time when I'm older where I just stop caring. Um, I think that's part of the beauty of getting older. You're allowed to be like, well, I yeah. got one year left. I'm going to just sit in tequila and eat gummy bears. And, mm-hmm. and say whatever the F And I say want. whatever the hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of saying whatever the hell we want, maybe Yay! we should move on to this next episode. Dalen Quaise. Uh, yeah. Has anybody seen Dalen Quaise? Has anyone Wait, seen Dr. Dalen Quaise? Who are you guys talking about? Oh, yeah. oh my God, it's happening again. Oh, it's happening again. God. There's something so funny to me about that name. Like it just, I know, I do too. I, I, Dalen Quaise. I love any surname that end, that begins with a Q. I just think that's awesome. They like they yeah. got um um a boggle set and they just let the, the, the letters how they fell yeah, tell them what this guy's name was name. <laughs> it's a great name to repeat over and over again too yeah. it's so it's fun to say satisfying. i feel like when i'm shuffling <laughs> yeah. tiles on my scrabble board like that's the only way i can get quace to show up yeah that that but that also feels like a lower decks joke in the making where like i i just imagine like you know it's just a side conversation of like remember a couple years ago when like we're several years ago and everyone was naming their kids dalen like what was that all about right, right. you know like that kind of, Oh wait, I hadn't considered that the name. Old I, have, effect. I, have, I still have a chance to name somebody Dalen. Dalen. Hey Chris, yeah. why don't we why don't we do the uh review? The uh Yeah, I was I was just I am looking at it right now. I'm gearing right Great. up to it. Dalen Quace Henners. Dalen yeah. Quace Henners is coming. Yeah. Your kid's gonna hate you. November twenty. Or love me. Or love you. <laughs> so the USS Enterprise docks at Starbase 133, where Dr. Beverly Crutcher, played by Gates McFadden, greets her elderly friend and mentor, Dr. Dalen Quace, played by Bill Irwin. You may rec- recognize him for many things, but especially as the old man who won't let his wife trade her earrings for plane tickets and home alone too. She has a box full of earrings, dangly ones. Dangly ones. After taking him to his quarters, discussing the loss of old friends, Dr. Crusher visits her son, Ensign Wesley Crusher, Will Wheaton, in engineering. Wesley attempts to create a static warp bubble, but the experiment appears to fail. As the Enterprise leaves Starbase, Dr. Crusher finds that Dr. Quace is missing, with no record of him coming aboard the ship as she performs a medical test on transporter chief O'Brien, played by Cole Meany. She realizes that her medical staff is missing. <laughs> Further investigation and discussion with the crew show that she has always worked alone in sickbay. 
Dr. Crusher continues to try to track down the disappearing people and finds more and more crew members that she remembers being completely unknown to the crew or the computer. At one point, a vortex appears near Dr. Crusher and attempts to pull her in, but she's able to hold on to a fixture until it dissipates. Some of my favorite uh, things. She used to do that many times throughout the series, and I love when they make her just hold on to something before she's like sucked into the vacuum of space or a vortex. Um, the ship shows no record of the vortex's appearance when she investigates. <clears throat> Eventually, no one but Captain Picard, played by a newcomer, Patrick Stewart, and herself remain on the ship. But Picard believes that the situation is normal. Uh, Dr. Crusher orders the computer to give Picard's vital signs over the ship's speakers so she knows he is still there. But shortly thereafter, even he disappears. <clears throat> then the vortex reappears and once again tries to claim Beverly. She's blown across the bridge, but she manages to hang on to Commander Data's chair until the vortex disappears. <clears throat> At this point, the viewer is shown the actual Enterprise where Wesley has successfully created the warp bubble, accidentally trapping his mother within it. With the warp bubble collapsing again rapidly, Wesley fears lead the Traveler, uh, played by Eric Menyuk, to appear and help Wesley attempt to stabilize the bubble. The Traveler recommends the Enterprise return to the starbase where the warp bubble was formed and may be more stable. Within the warp bubble, Dr. Crusher attempts to direct the Enterprise to the home planet of the Traveler, but soon finds that the ship is unable to set that destination as it no longer exists. More of the universe she knows disappears, soon leaving the, only the Enterprise. She recognizes the shape as being that of Wesley's warp bubble and determines that she is trapped. The earlier vortex being the Enterprise crew's first attempt to save her. As the warp bubble shrinks, erasing parts of the Enterprise, she races for engineering, uh, the center of the warp bubble, and finds a vortex waiting there. She jumps in at the last moment, finding herself back in engineering along with Picard, Wesley, Geordi LaForge, played by LeVar Burton, and the Traveler. She embraces her son and obtains the confirmation from Picard that the Enterprise's population, uh, 1014 at the time, including her guest, Dr. Quace, is the correct number. And that is Remember Me. Oh man, I love this episode so much. Uh, I, and I think it's because it's not like a classically like amazing episode of this series. It's just one that I've watched so many times and is so like emblazoned in my brain. Um, and one of the few ones that has, you know, Gates McFadden and Dr. Beverly at the center. She just always like, other than this, she's always just like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't fix that. We have to go to another, she's just like, you know, being, um, you know the the world's most mediocre 24th century doctor for for the plot so that someone so there can be a problem because she can't just immediately solve it you know but what do you all think of this episode i love this episode i think this episode is great um and it um it, it's 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 a next gen kind of twilight zone -y kind of episode honestly which is i love these like little one-off like bizarre premises um especially one that really takes its time to actually let you know what's really going on um I love like psychological thriller and so much of this is a Beverly Crusher psychological thriller where, you know, an alternate title for this episode could be the universe is gaslighting me, um, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> and I love that. Uh, and I think what what's really cool about this is I you know I said it's a Twilight Zone episode and obviously that was an anthology show so you know this is the kind of premise they would do where it's you know they that that show was always about you know plant a person normal seeming person in a scenario that is just designed to make them crazier and crazier you know and are they actually going crazy or is the universe just this unfair you know uh, and I love that dynamic 
But what really works here, too, is the fact that it's an episode of Next Gen. We know that Dr. Crusher isn't going crazy. We know all these people are real. So then it really puts you in her shoes of like, what the fuck is going on? Um, and I love that mystery aspect to it. Like you're it just puts you more on her side of just like, no, 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 no. I remember watching this show. Like, what the fuck is happening? This is fucked up. It's so much fun. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is the way they uh, have scripted it and directed it. It is maddening in a way to watch it. Not, not like as an, like not as a you know somebody watching the show. Not as an audience member, but it's like you just feel you yeah. feel that feeling that she's feeling along with her. And I, I love that everybody believes her right away. Yes. They we don't waste any time with like Cohen, you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. Cause I hate that and it wastes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, their complete calmness the whole time makes it even more maddening. Yes. So so the the more calm they are, the more crazy she's starting to feel. And that, that like you can feel that feeling with her. Um I think that's good how they did that. I really oh, yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and th there was a line that uh, Picard said was, um, your word has always been enough for me. So yeah. Eddie, he's just going to believe her and just be very calm. Like, yeah. yeah. And then by the end when it's just her and Picard and she's like, I think she's going crazy. Like, do you think that it's reasonable for just these two people to oh, be on so this good. big ship? <laughs> right, right. And he's like, that's the way it's always been, Beverly. I'm like, this is so crazy. Yeah. yeah. This like absurdist world where like, yeah. why do we have all these empty decks? It's like, well, you know, refugee crises, emergency <laughs> yeah. storage. It's like, mm -hmm. it's not and just seeing how like, oh, all these insane, all these insane justifications for an absurd world are just put out there so calmly yeah, yeah you nailed it i i it's, love i wish we got more of beverly talking to the computer like i wish that the resolution yeah. wasn't like yeah little, like wasn't wesley learns to believe in himself with the help of the traveler <laughs> but instead like beverly <laughs> figures it out with like yeah. the one being that can't lie to her yeah you know what there that's a good point because yeah. yes wesley did like that was like a weird subplot where the travel Traveler's creepy, by the way. Let me get into that later. But, um, you don't love them just phasing it out of space. But and, Beverly, and yeah, it's really weird. But um, Beverly, at the same time, was so she figured it out like on yeah. her own without anybody helping her. So yeah. even though Wesley saved the day in a way, Beverly also did it herself too. So I like right. the way that they sort of paralleled that. So it wasn't just her being helpless. She had to also. She had to. Well, also she was be constantly problem. It. She was, all she was doing was problem solving. Mm -hmm. She was yeah. not taking a yep. beat. Yeah. She probably and like probably was like awake in that word bubble for like sixteen hours trying to figure out the problem as everyone yeah. she knows and loves disappears, disappears around, around her. her. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I also loved to just because because you're on that Picard scene with her towards the end where like she's like it's just the two of them left. They're like checking. She's like okay, well just be just to be sure, I'm gonna have the computer check your vitals to make sure that you're still here. And she goes, you know, Jean-Luc, there's always been this thing between us that I'd like to, in the vital science stuff. She's like, what? <laughs> Just like the most. <laughs> Men, am I right? Yeah. Now that we're alone. Yeah, it's like, like he's like, I'd rather disappear into the void than tell you how I really <laughs> yeah. feel. Beverly. It's like, oh, she's going to get all emotional. All right, I'm out. All right. <laughs> oh, man. Everybody knows now, by now, about Picard's commitment issues. 
Yeah. 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 Once again, he did bring the dead husband home. Let's let's yeah. forget. Yeah. He brought he like is responsible for her husband's death and did bring him to her doorstep. Yeah. So I that, mean that's wait, my fan sorry, canon what? of like Picard dragged his body to the doorstep. Well, I believe well, no, I we didn't, but I mean like he they he died, they died on a mission, and then like Picard brought that body home to her. Not to her doorstep, but to back to just like dragging a lifeless. He's course. like, Well, here's Jack, I gotta go. I've gotta pick up uh <laughs> my nephew from the yeah. from the wine rose the yeah. body on her that's that's why he got out that's why he got out that's what it, he was afraid she was going to bring up it's like oh she's going to bring up her husband again the fact that maybe i didn't do it properly like whatever like You're supposed to cremate him first whatever yeah 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 uh i wanted Computer to say something this yeah. corpse to beverly crusher's quarters uh you're acting like that's a weird thing like people in the military have to get home somehow how when they yeah, die yeah. like that's like a normal thing guys mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I i just think that picard's decision to operate the body like it was a puppet and i, I just yeah, that think that was, that was an odd choice odd choice i'm surprised she still talks to him and the fact that he drew graffiti all over the body in sharpie really was inconsiderate mm. kind of I think we can all agree from the episode where Wesley gets a hologram message from his dad that his dad was really hot. Oh my goodness. Well, he was really good for you, Beverly. Uh, nailed it. Um, but I'm sorry, Carrie, you were trying to say something a second ago. Yes, what, what, I what wanted we... to say something more about Dr. Uh, Dalen Quace. Um, uh, oh. His name is um, 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 Bill Irwin. Um, Bill Irwin. He was also in a very popular episode of, well, all episodes of Seinfeld are popular, but he was the an episode called the old man and he was the old man and they are like go to a nursing home or something and they lose him they lose the do you remember this episode i do remember this episode yeah yeah he's just always getting lost man he also looks a little bit like wilford brimley he does they they would definitely be called in for the same commercial yeah 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 uh, um, diabetes um yeah Mm -hmm. guy and well, then, they were uh, they were gonna go to the same commercial, but Wilfred Brimley cut the brakes to his car. So, yeah. oh, he was ruthless, uh, man. Wow. Sorry. He, Sorry. I think I believe I think that he was. I think he passed away at the age of ninety six. I think Ooh. he lived until ninety six years old. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. He had a good run. Um, and then I read about uh, Eric the me, the traveler. Menyuk. 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 Yeah. Menyuk. Yeah. He was actually up for the part of data. He was one of the people they were thinking about for data. I could see that. Um, yeah, at the end. But, and then, uh, so I looked him up and he uh, stopped acting and went to be a lawyer. So he's working as a lawyer. Okay. Anyway, you think just he's little, in a just deposition little... and someone's like, hey, wait a minute. Are you a traveler? <laughs> Are you a traveler? Um, oh my god, no yeah. way. You're the traveler. Hey, forget about my divorce. Can we talk about that episode of Star Trek you found? Yeah. He, he plays that character so creepy, though. Like, it's such a weird storyline that they gave Wesley Crusher as, yeah. like, yeah. if you, you have you have the power. But the way his, like, tone of voice, it's like, like, I don't, I don't like it. Yeah. I, yeah. I can, I can, yeah, He's I agree like, with that. You've always had your energy has attracted me to you, or whatever he's saying. But, and eventually, Wesley does become the same. He does the same thing, right? Because that's how we what he feels. Yeah, he yeah. goes and yeah, yeah, yeah. does the traveler, mm-hmm. being a traveler too, and he, that's what he did. That cameo in uh, Picard. Yeah. How many episodes do they give the traveler Wesley storyline in TNG? I don't do not remember three. being more than like four. Oh, three. Yeah, it's really? three. Yeah, three. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
it's this one that much oh, sorry it's the this one the one in episode one where they go to like the edge of the galaxy or whatever and then mm-hmm. then, and then like the season seven right with the, the last yep. one yeah yep yeah the last it, one that was it, wesley just walks out on the team during a firefight with the cardassians yeah. yes gotcha get you later it, it it has the faint aroma of like just like oh did we ever wrap that up what's well, the final season i guess we should uh here we go yeah there we go <laughs> they, they didn't anticipate how hated yeah. wesley would be so yeah maybe maybe you planned more along the way yeah. but then mm-hmm. i think realized. people hated wesley because they like relied on him as like a plot device too many times like you were saying jay it's yeah. like oh well wesley's a genius gonna fi- we got this whole ship of like qualified people, but Wesley, the genius boy, is gonna figure it out and save the day. I think yeah. they just did that way too much, and yep. I think yeah. I'm not liking him. Watching the show, rewatching the show a, a, a while ago, actually, I think I specifically picked up like things that, if I were a fan, I feel like would probably set me over the edge a little bit. Like, regardless of how you feel about Wesley, they would throw in little lines of dialogue where he's like, "I can't believe you adults didn't think of this." Where it's just like, "All right, that would be irritating. That would be freaking irritating." <laughs> they wrote him as like a little asshole uh, a couple. Times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah sure. There's there's precocious, and then there's just like, "All right, other people on this ship are competent at their jobs, Wesley. It's okay." Yeah. yeah. I find it very interesting that they that i don't know warp wasn't treated the same as wesley but he was also done a disservice in tng as sort of the eternal punching bag oh yeah like oh we have big strong orc alien and so if someone mm-hmm. punch him they mm-hmm. strong and then in ds9 yeah. he gets a total revamp and he's actually he definitely... yeah because on tng every time he gets hit he goes down too it's like mm-hmm. you're you're oh, yeah. closer, and yet you are always falling down and getting hit and not like he, actually surviving he's like I, but i think that actor or whoever or the writers or a combination of both for wharf uh, specifically did a good job of like maintaining the core of who he was without changing yeah. him completely they just added more nuances to him and let him like grow and change so he wasn't like a completely different character i like i i liked how they did that and as far as wesley goes after that with other like deep space nine and uh, voyager they add a little kid they add a younger character so now he's become a new sort of uh um archetype character for the show to have this younger kid and and um then when they had deep Deep space nine and the character of jake Mm -hmm. being so completely different than wesley what i thought was also uh, actually kind of charming (laughs) yeah yeah um oh something else i wanted to say about this show things that i liked things that i liked um when the traveler is talking in the end to Wesley and they're in the briefing room or whatever, and he goes, as long as she thinks she's alive, she's alive. Yeah. And then Riker goes, what the hell does that mean? Yeah, I love, yeah. this is one of my favorite lines <laughs> from the episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's my favorite interaction. Mm-hmm. What the hell does that mean? What the hell does that mean? That's really <laughs> It's got such this like, look, look, man, I am tired of your bullshit. Will you explain yeah. to me? What the hell does that mean? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, whoa, man, so deep. Am I alive? Are we all alive? Yeah. They spoke to real fat doobie before. before yeah, exactly. Phasing that's, in that's, time and that's, space. That's exactly, that's exactly what it is. Like, look, man, I realize your stoner 101 philosophy really worked for you. But some of us have to go to work in the morning. Can you just explain what's going on? <laughs> oh man oh, i also like the scene between um warp bubble deanna troy and um and 
Beverly Crusher where she's just like, oh, yeah. am I crazy? And then she's just like, the fact that you can ask that question means that you're not. Um, which <laughs> yeah. is, I don't know if that's nice. entirely holds water, but I do like that. As yeah. a, it makes me yeah. feel better because I've asked that. Certainly we've all been there. We've all asked that yeah. question. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. it's very like nice how they how they didn't just lean into like ah the woman's hysterical yeah which yeah. like yeah. would have been passable television well, at the time like yeah well I mean, that's I, that's what I makes the it, episode extra eerie i'm sorry chris that's what makes the, that's what makes the episode extra eerie because like he's like like chris like you said everyone is so perfectly calm and like when they are reacting to beverly talking about these people they don't remember it's not like you're crazy lock her up she's crazy it's more just like I don't know what you're talking about, which yeah. is so creepier. But I think I think what happens is, if I'm following the logic properly, so mm -hmm. she's created this world in her head from a thought that she had as the warp bubble was created, that the only thing that changed in her thought about the world she currently lives in is that people, her loved ones would start disappearing or, or do disappear. Yeah. So in her world, what she knows is that she trusts everybody she works with and they all believe her and they trust her to do a good job. And that came through in the warp bubble. And that I think is really kind of cool. Mm -hmm. um, it shows her that she shows that she trusts everybody and they have mm -hmm. a great, they're just really good team. You know what I mean? That's what it yeah. shows. Um, <laughs> they really trust her a lot and they really like her a lot. They really like her a lot. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. They I also like her when hair she... straight though. Yeah. Every episode, every scene, it was her hair was differently. Like it was like here yeah. and it was there. And I was like, who was, where is our <laughs> hair and makeup scene? Really not <laughs> on it. A little more consistency with our hair. Yeah. There was also a point, you know, when she also goes in and it's just her and Picard again. Um, she just starts rambling off all of the like characteristics of the crew. Oh yeah, and like as if she's like reading a call sheet on a on a, uh, <laughs> a casting list or something. And I thought that was really fun. I'm like, oh great, now we get to know. You know, uh, she likes chocolate. Uh, she's your counsel. <laughs> I wanted her to be like, you know, Riker. He's a huge slut. He plays a trombone. <laughs> and uh... <laughs> he likes to cook. Data. He's, he likes, he really wants to be human, but he doesn't get any jokes. <laughs> yeah. I, love I like one of his, I like one of her ones for Deanna is basically just like, yeah, her mother's awful. Yeah. yeah her mother's awful. <laughs> she likes The sight of her mother drives you insane. Or something yeah, along yeah. those lines. Yeah. Something along yeah. those lines, yeah. Could you imagine that people just, you're, one of the things that people know about you is that you just like chocolate. I don't know. It seems so simple. I think, she I think really, really, the really, too. really, really <laughs> like chocolate. Well, clearly, she, you know, you weren't very good friends with her. If you're like, uh, she's like, mm -hmm. um, she, you know, her, one of her verbal tics is, uh, uh, her idiosyncrasies are, uh, she likes chocolate. She's always being mentally violated by aliens who have telepathic powers. You know, Deanna. I mean, this is this is sadly <laughs> true. Like yeah. Victim shaming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think once again the writers need to have you know given her because i feel mm. like she, she had, she's had one or two episodes like deanna has had one or two episodes like this but very very few times do the women get to have like whole episodes to themselves like this and i think that's it that's was kind a of very a strong episode i'm glad you picked it it, it, yeah. it is yeah yeah thanks me too yeah. um um couple lines i wanted to uh underline which is um one of the great one of the great Star Trek Next Generation, I think, lines of dialogue is when Dr. Crusher, as she's close to figuring it out, says, if there's some not something wrong with me, there's something wrong with the universe, the universe. Mm. which is a fantastic line um, mm -hmm. and not quite as good, but I really love the exchange. I mean, all the computer stuff, Jay, you, you, is so good. You mentioned that. But I mean, I especially like the 
when she's trying to outsmart it and just says, all right, computer, tell me the nature of the universe. And the universe and the computer just says, the universe is a spheroid object, you know, about uh, 15 <laughs> meters, to, you know, 100 meters in diameter. It's like, oh, fuck. Like, like, oh, oh, this is bad. This is bad. Yeah. Um, I love that. Um, yeah. I have a I have a trivia point on this episode as well that Ooh, I thought was interesting, let's do it. which is that. Those, um, Chris, you mentioned in your summary, those bits where uh, Beverly is kind of uh, grabbing onto chairs as the, um, yeah. the the portal, the vortex, is kind of uh, trying to suck her in. And um, what I learned is that Gates McFadden performed those stunts herself. And yeah. also, she discovered a couple days after she completed those stunts that she was pregnant. Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Oh. Uh she as also, a pregnant person, I can tell you it's okay to do stunts like in sure, the first yeah. trimester. First trimester, mm-hmm, totally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, cool, 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 cool. I also, it just made me, these, the, the way these stunts work, I know it's just the nature of this show and the way they shoot it, but because there's that episode too, I think it's Disaster. Is that the one? Where, where she and Jordy get stuck in the cargo bay with yep. these like things that are leaking and so they have to vent the car- cargo bay and it's like well we'll just release those things into the vacuum of space and we'll just hold on to these bars really <laughs> <laughs> which i'm pretty They're sure might not strong. really work but They're they really very they very it. strong yeah but it was just a similar kind of like oh whoa, whoa, whoa you know like um vibe which i very much enjoyed they it work is... on their core a lot you know their yeah. core They're strength very strong upper body They're they're very strong. Is experiencing decompression also first trimester activity? <laughs> uh, <Yes>. No. no. <laughs> yes. Decompression? No. It's more like uh, what's what's the opposite of that? Well, inflation. <laughs> uh. <laughs> That's funny. But um, uh, yes, continue. What about eating a two-week-old cookie? Well, she That's can't even cookie. have like you know soft cheeses or, or sushi at the moment, so maybe oh. two two week old cookie is probably not a great idea. Oh. Am I right? I would am eat I it. Making, am I making that? I up? would eat it. I would eat it. No, I, I feel like if you handed me like if I only had two choices, a two week old cookie or a sushi, I would eat the cookie because well, I think, yeah, the cookie is a better choice. Yeah, the better yeah. choice. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I think that that does anybody have any sort of final thoughts or or um, or recommendations of other things to watch for for this episode? Oh, I have a recommendation. Okay, yeah. go for it. There's Jay. a there's a British man on YouTube named Heston Blumenthal who releases these absolutely wild cooking materials that are like uh, cooking recipes that are very well done like he has a bacon sandwich where he undercooks half of the bacon and then burns the rest of it to a crisp to have alternating soft and crispy bacon and then he takes the bread and he toasts one piece of bread and leaves the other one untoasted to add more contrast and it's just wild. He's another sandwich where he adds in Brussels sprouts and it's crazy, but he owns a Michelin, he owns a three Michelin star restaurant, a two Michelin star restaurant and a one Michelin star restaurant. <laughs> and I'm watching here him like eat half like raw bacon, half burned bacon sandwiches that have one piece of toast. It's a trip. It's honestly a trip. And he also <laughs> just seems like he's on drugs the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Heston Blumenthal, okay, Waitrose TV. Maybe. I mean, my doctor told me to cut back on bacon, but now that you've told me to do that, I have to have it. (laughs) (laughs) I have a final thought about the episode because um, because speaking of um, pregnancy, there was, I wrote this down because I want somebody to say it while I'm giving birth. And it was a direct, (laughs) 
it was a direct quote from this episode because Riker is talking to, to Jordy over the, the their comms and and Rikers goes prepare for umbilical disconnect clear all moorings <laughs> aft thrusters <laughs> impulse power prepare for umbilical disconnects yes <laughs> oh man they need to say that as the baby comes they need to do that yeah. when the baby comes out they need to do that I and then you need to record it and send it to us. <laughs> I want it so bad. Okay. I, you know, they always say to write down your birth plan, like what you want. In case, <laughs> like, you know, like you give it to the doctors because just in case, I don't know, you're whacked out on being in labor. Doctors yeah. know what you want. So I'll just write this down as something that I once said you on say, my birth, prepare for umbilical birth plan. Yeah. It's like <laughs> pain medicine. And also here's your dialogue that you have to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's quite good mm-hmm. michael henley what about you any recommendations or final thoughts i wish i had recommendations but um no i can't uh i can't really think of any um i have no final thoughts aside from this is a really strong episode i like it a lot Woo. no i i um yeah i'm so glad you guys were were game for this one it's one of my favorites and i was so fun to to uh to watch it again with you and also it was just fun to be i gotta tell you it was so fun to be dr beverly crusher at the bar this weekend and at the party <laughs> i went to i had my tricorder i kept taking people's medical readings uh it was <laughs> just really a lot of fun and then so um fun. and yeah and it, fun to like you could tell like you just, i don't i don't want to start any shit with star wars people but there's some people who are like oh no star wars and they see you in something star trek and they gotta say something about it it's like <laughs> get over yourself yeah um, like what know, are you trying to do they're both fine franchises one just has more heart and more dignity and we all know which one it is you know what i'm saying um but that's okay. man uh, <laughs> so what, a, what a weird rivalry i've never gotten this I like yes. i like both things it's like it's actual man. of the nerds yeah it's yeah crazy. yeah <laughs> so yeah, it's my like recommendation is to go out in star trek cosplay <laughs> drag and live your life and have some fun because it's a good time yeah good do it well on that note i don't have a song to sing but i think mm-hmm. we can all go out on a sing at the same phrase together and that it phrase was will the be, mash it was it the was monster, the monster mash. mash we could do that <laughs> or we could ask where our friend doctor yeah Daylin where Quay. is dr Daylin 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 Daylin. Daylin. 